Blog Talk Radio. If you enjoy mining for gold and silver out of God's holy word, you're going to love A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter. A Sheep Speaks combines great Bible truths you might not hear anywhere else with nuts and bolts testimonies of how these truths can be applied to your life. A Sheep Speaks with Denise Jeter starts now. Good morning. We're going to be talking about a faith worth fighting for, contending for your faith. You know, we are not to be blown about by every wind of doctrine. We are to stand fast and contend for the faith and not to be deceived. We're going to be looking today at the need to contend for the faith, and we're going to be looking at some ways to contend for the faith, and we may even look at an example or two of how others contended for the faith. But we're going to be starting out today in Jude 1-3, and it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto the saints. And he said, you know, he really wanted to write about something else, but the Holy Spirit impressed him that it was very needful to write about this thing of contending for the faith. You know, the Lord said at one point, he said, when I return, he meant, he meant when he returns to earth, shall I find faith on earth? In other words, it's going to get so bad. And the deception is going to get so strong that Jesus Christ himself said, when I return, shall I find faith on earth? So that's one reason that it is very needful for us to contend for the faith. There's so many things going around today, you know, and it used to be so much false teaching. And it used to be very uh, obvious. It was kind of blatant and out there, but now it is so subtle. I know my own self, I can read two or three or four chapters in a book before I recognize their motive or where they're going with this thing in order to get you off the principles and the doctrines that you have learned all your life. And so we're going to be talking about a little bit of that today. You know, he says it's needful, and it, it had... All He had all intentions of writing something else, but it was needful for him to write unto us about contending for the faith. And then the next thing he says, that we should earnestly contend. You know that word earnestly means? It means with intense, sincere conviction. We need to be serious about contending for the faith. Right now, so many uh, avenues are trying to get us to hold hands with different religions and they're all trying to say we have one god and uh that you know saying that all religions lead to jesus christ or all religions lead to heaven but you know jesus himself said i am the way the truth and the life and no man comes to the father by me in other words he is saying that there's only one way of salvation there's no other name given among men where we shall be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. So there aren't many other ways no, or many other paths to salvation. And there's a good reason for that. You know, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. But it couldn't just be any blood. It had to be perfect, sinless blood. And if you know anything about the Bible, you know we all are under sin. We're born in sin because of the fall of Adam. 
And then the line, the bloodline comes down through the father. But there was only one human being that did not have an earthly father because he was born of a virgin. A virgin. And that is the reason that his blood is sinless. It's not tainted with the sin of Adam. And uh, there's no other sinless blood to be shed for your sins except the blood of Jesus Christ. So there is no other person that could do that for you. And so that is why there's only one way to salvation and only one way to heaven. And so everything in this earth, a lot of things, uh, other religions and different things are trying to deceive us that we might not find that one straight path. You know, the Lord says that the path to destruction is wide and many be on that path. But the, this, the um, path to salvation is very narrow and few there be that find it. This is all scripture. You can look this up and, and see if I'm telling the truth or not. If you want to, you know, that said that the Bereans looked up the things Paul said to see if they were so or not. And so I encourage you, not only what I say, but any other preacher you listen to, look those things up in the scriptures and see if those things be so or not. And so we're to earnestly contend. That means we're to seriously be solemn about it, grave about it, and very firm about it. It's not something we can take or leave, you know, Uh, like we said in the beginning of this program. We're not supposed to be blown about with every wind of doctrine. We are supposed to know what we believe, why we believe it. You wouldn't contend for something or fight for something if you weren't sure of it. And so we need to be sure that we have our feet on a firm foundation. And, you know, then he says uh, to contend, and the definition of contend is to struggle for, to stand fast, to strive It's like a rivalry or fight. It's a struggle. In other words, it's not something that's easy. You know, Paul said when he was about to leave and he knew he was going to be taken out of this earth, he told his disciples, it says, he said, I've warned you three years with tears about these ravenous wolves that are going to come in behind me. You know, I have a message uh, that says, "What, what made Paul cry? You know, being in the and the uh, ocean day in the deep for a day and a night that didn't make him cry being beat to the point where people thought he was dead that didn't make him cry but this this contending for the faith this fact that he knew that ravenous wolves were going to come in after his demise that made him cry he said for 3 years he said i've warned you for 3 years with tears and so you know if that made the apostle paul cry It should concern us today. And so we are to contend with the faith. And then we're going to look at some ways to contend. One of the ways to contend is very simple. It may not be easy, but it's simple. It's to obey God. Just by obeying God without ever getting into hand-in-hand combat, we are already contending for the faith. For Proverbs 28.4 says, They that forsake the law praise the wicked. In other words, when you disobey God, you are praising the wicked, whether you know it or not. But the next half of that verse says, but such as keep the law contend with them. 
So if we disobey God, we praise the wicked. But if we obey God, we are actually contending with the wicked without even knowing it. Without ever swinging the first blow in the spirit realm, we're still contending with the wicked. You know, to keep the law, once again, just means to obey God. You know, one time my husband and I, this is a good example of this is an illustration of what I just said. My husband and I were at the store just picking up a few things from the store that we needed. Weren't hat, you know, we weren't in any prayer, any spiritual mindset. And we ran into some people that we went to church with. So we were happy to see them. You know, we said, hey, how you doing? You know, and t- started talking to them and whatever. And immediately they started giving us excuses while they hadn't been in church. You know, family had come to visit and uh, all these other things. And uh, we're and then when you know we're just standing there. Oh well, yeah, sure. You know, we understand whatever. And then when they left, my husband and I looked at each other and thought, what was that all about? We didn't say anything about them not coming to church. It wasn't even on our radar or on our mind. And then the holy the Lord showed us. The Holy Spirit in us, if we're obedient to the Lord, we're walking with the Lord, it's nothing of us. It's all of God. But the Holy Spirit in you can convict somebody so bad that they just start backtracking and making excuses, even though it wasn't even in your mind. You didn't say one word to convict that person because it's not you convicting them. It is the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. And that's why Proverbs 28.4 can say, that they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but they that keep the law contend with them. So unbeknownst to us, the Holy Spirit who dwells in us was convicting these people at the grocery store, and we are so oblivious. We had no idea what was going on. We just looked at each other in confusion, and then the Holy Spirit revealed to us what was happening. So, so that just proves Proverbs 28.4 is so true. And uh, and it's just interesting when the Holy Spirit shows you these little these little uh, twigs. I call them broken twigs or tokens for good or little crumbs, you know. Uh, and it's just so amazing how He can just illustrate His Word to us without us ever even being in prayer or in thought about it at all, you know. And so it's uh, so also we He says our manner of life is important in Philippians one twenty seven. It says. Only let your conversation, that word in the old English uh, conversation means your manner of life. In other words, the way, you, the way you live your life, your convictions and that type of thing. So Philippians 127 again says, only let your conviction be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So there that word is again, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In other words, this is just not something you can just sit on the couch and eat bonbons about. You know, you can't just say, oh, well, I got saved back in 1972, and I know I'm going to heaven, and that's the end of that. No, no, no. He says we have to contend for the faith, strive for the faith, because there's so many things The flesh, the world, and the devil are going to do everything they can to get you off track and to make you fall. And knowing the Word of God and obeying the Word of God are two of the best ways to keep from falling. 
But the good news is if we fall, he says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't let this message beat you up this morning. If you have made a mistake or you have disobeyed God or you have failed, no, no, no. He just wants you to turn and say, Lord, I confess my sins and I ask you to forgive me. And then he says he is faithful and just not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so we need to stand fast, we see. Again, we just need to firmly remain in the same position or keep the same opinion. In other words, don't let them knock you off track. You need to be standing firm. And you can pray that the Lord will help you to do that. You know, in the book of James, it says, don't be double-minded. For the double-minded man shall not think he shall receive anything from the Lord. So the Lord wants us to know what we believe and to stand firm in a settled position. You know, there's, uh, it says that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. And so we need to know that we have our mind forever settled in the Lord. And then he talks about in the latter part of that verse that we need to be striving together. We need to be in agreement with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we need to let them know if they have fallen, you know, in a kind and loving way. It says that if your brother has fallen, that you should restore such a one in a meek spirit. And so um, we need to remember that when we see someone that's fallen. We don't need to gossip about them. You know, I've been in churches, and I would be like a new person on the block, so to speak. And you go back into the fellowship hall or whatever, and before you know it, you have you know everybody's history in that church sometimes because everybody wants to tell you their opinion and gossip about people who are struggling. We don't need to gossip about people who are struggling. We need to help people who are struggling and to restore them back to the faith. That's what the Lord tells us to do. But we see in 2 Timothy 1.13, this was Paul speaking to his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says to Timothy, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, he's telling Timothy not to be blown about by every wind of doctrine, not to be knocked off of his foundation that he's heard and learned from Paul. He says, hold fast. The definition of hold fast is to cleave. We're to cleave to the Lord, adhere, bond, stick firmly to the Lord. And the opposite of holding fast is to fluctuate, to hesitate, to be double-minded, have second thoughts. You know, if the Lord's given you a word, you don't need to be knocked off course by second thoughts or doubting, um, vacillating, you know. Uh, we need to be firm in our beliefs. And in 2 Timothy, once again, 2 Timothy 1.13 is so good, I thought it was worth repeating. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So we don't want to be like a wind blowing in, a reed, I should say, blowing in the wind. Uh, we want to know for ourselves the truth from Scripture. You know, in Job 27, 6, it says, My righteousness I hold fast, and I will not let go. This is Job speaking. My heart shall not reproach me, 
so long as I live. So Job had a made-up mind. You know, we see one place in Joshua where he said, no, yes, in the in Joshua where he said, choose this day whom you shall serve. And uh, and we see where Daniel said, I, he determined in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. So we need to have a made-up mind before the trial comes, before that false teacher starts trying to get us off track. We need to hold fast what we have believed. But Job says, once again, my righteousness I hold fast and I will not let go. You know, Job's wife even said to him, after all of his trials and these hard places he went through and all the bad things that happened to him, his wife said, you might as well just curse God and die. But Job said, no, 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 that's not the kind of faith I have. I'm not a fair-weather Christian. You know what a fair-weather Christian is, right? It's someone that does obey God in the good times. And they're following the Lord with all their heart. But then when things go south and they're having a trouble or a trial or something like that, they just throw the book away and walk their other way, you know, and they believe the world instead of believing the Lord. But Job was not that kind of Christian. And even though his wife told him to curse God and die, he had already said, and he already had a made-up mind, that he would hold fast and he would not let go. Amen. Hold fast to the Lord and don't let go. You know, one time I had a little message about how a bulldog, when it gets a hold of something, you cannot get, it locks its jaws, and you cannot get that bulldog to let go. I've heard people say you almost have to knock them out, hit them with a two-by-four or something. They will not let go once they have a grip, a death grip on something. And that's kind of what we need to have on God. We need to have a death grip on God and say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what the circumstances say. I'm going to hold on to the promises of God. I'm going to believe. I'm going to press in. And I'm not going to be moved. And I'm not going to let go. And that's what Job said. So holding fast his righteousness, it was his righteousness in the Lord. You know, we don't have any of our own righteousness. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And it's not going to help us at all. It's not going to get us into heaven. It's not going to get us uh, down the road. It's not going to help us. So this righteousness that Job was talking about was the Lord's righteousness. Our righteousness is not is not is our right relationship to Him. We have no righteousness of our own, and so we have to hold on to His righteousness because it says when He died on the cross, He took our sins upon Him. And gave his righteousness to us. So he traded places with us. Just like he did Barabbas. You know, uh, they, they said, the Jews said, kill him, crucify him. And P- uh, Pilate said, who will you have me let go? This murderer, Barabbas, or Jesus? And they said, no, give us Barabbas and kill Jesus. And so Jesus took Barabbas's place. And if we think about it in the spirit realm, we're all Barabbases. Amen. So it's his righteousness and not our own. We just need to be prayed up and repented up, and we'll be under that umbrella of his protection. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.2, it says, Prove all things and hold fast that which is good. And that word prove there just means test. Like I was talking about earlier, how the Bereans would listen to Paul intently 
And then they would go home and look it up in Scripture to see if those things which Paul said were so. And so that's what that means in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. Prove all things. Test all things and see if they line up with the Word of God. If someone's, They can preach things that sound so good, so comforting, so loving, but they're not according to Scripture. So you need to test all things and hold fast that which is good. And so we see in Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. So to hold fast our profession, once again, just means not to compromise and not to, um, just because it's unpopular or because you're afraid someone's going to look down on you. You don't compromise. You hold fast what you believe. And we have a great high priest. It says that he's sitting on on the side of the Father, ever interceding for us. So he's praying for you. Not only did he die for you and shed his precious blood for you, but now he's praying for you. Amen. And in Hebrews 3, 6, it says, But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm until the end. So he's saying, hold on till the end, because you are my children. Amen. And we have confidence in him. We trust him no matter what we see. I know one time I was talking to the Lord and I was in some confusion. And it's like the thought came to my mind. You know, we know the grass is green, okay? That's pretty obvious. But it was like the Holy Spirit told me. He said, if I told you that the grass was blue, even though he didn't do that, but if he did, he said, it wouldn't matter what your eyes see. It wouldn't matter what anyone else said. The grass would be blue. In other words, Let him be true and every man a liar. In other words, whatever God says is true, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what your feelings say, you feel guilty, you feel bad. God says you're not. You're born again. If you're born again, you're my child. And your repentance is one word away from him. And so we can hold fast and let God be true and every man a liar. In other words, if every man, if men's words disagree with scripture, you automatically know that God's word is true and they're all liars. So it doesn't matter what happens. We know that to be true. And we just know that uh, God wants us to hold fast our rejoicing also. And we see this as we go forward. It says, hold fast your hope. Don't ever believe that God has forsaken you. And in Proverbs 4.13, it says, take fast hold of instructions. Let her not go and keep her, for she is thy life. And so he's talking about holding fast to wisdom. You know, there's a scripture that says, my people, which mean born again believers, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And that is what we need to have is the truth. The truth of scripture, it says, will set you free. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But if you don't know the truth, it's not going to help you one bit. You're going to believe the lie. You know, it's as though you were in jail and the jailer has the keys to the jail hooked on his belt, we'll say. And uh, and those keys could set you free. But if you don't have possession of them, 
They're going to do you no good. Well, the word of God can set you free. But if you don't know it and you don't have possession of it by believing it and applying it to your life, it will do you absolutely no good. And you will not be set free. You will be left in that prison. Sometimes the prison that some of us are in is the prison in our mind. We believe the lies. Satan constantly shoots these fiery darts into our head and says, you're worthless. You're no good. Nobody loves you. You're lonely. You're never going to get victory. He says all this to us, and every one of those things is a lie. The Bible says that you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free. The Bible says that he's interceding for you. The Bible says that he died for you and forgave you, and he cast your sins as far as the east is from the west and threw them into the lake of forgetfulness. These are the true things, and then those other things are lies, but they're warring in your mind. And if you don't know the word of God, cling to the Lord, contend for the faith, you're going to believe a lie. And it's going to cause you to sink. So I encourage you today to listen to good Bible teachers, to get into the word, to pray and ask the Lord to show you what to read, where to read. Amen. And so these things are very important. We need to take fast hold of instruction and let her not go for she is thy life. And in Revelation 2.25 it says, But that which ye have already, hold fast till I come. So the Lord is encouraging us today that he's coming soon. It says, as in the days of Noah and as in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. And what was happening in the days of Lot and the days of Noah? It said, every man's thoughts were evil continually. And we're getting close to that, my friend. So we need to hold fast our profession And in Revelation 3.11, he says again, Behold, I come quickly, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. So we need to cleave to the Lord. And once again, in Revelation 3.3, it says, Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt watch. I will come on thee, if if thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. So we need to stay repented up, fasted up, cleaving to the Lord so that we won't be surprised when he comes back. And if we have fallen away, he he says for us just to turn, turn around one step. If we draw nigh unto him, he will draw nigh unto us. He's not a man that he should lie. All his promises are yea and amen. And then in Isaiah 49, 25, it says, But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contendeth with thee, and I will save thy children. So God says, I'm going to fight your enemies for you and save your children. Praise the Lord. Remember, God will contend with them that contend with you. He fights. There's a song that says, my God fights for me. God doesn't pick sides. He never moves from his truth. So we need to get on the same side as the Lord, and then he will be fighting for us. And, you know, as always, we read 
out of Apples of Gold, a devotional in rhyme. And I'm going to be reading out of February the 18th today. And it's just a little scripture that the Lord allowed me to write in the book, Apples of Gold, a devotional in rhyme. And this particular one goes right along with our message. We try to read one that goes along with our message each time. And this one, once again, is out of our text, Jude 3. And it says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And the point that goes along with that is there are some subverting, trying to twist the word, trying to make it say something you've never even heard. We must stand against them, contend at all costs. Because nothing on this planet is worth what could be lost. So we we see today that the Lord is with us. He loves us. And he's, he's for us and not against us. So I would like to invite you to go to my website at www.asheepspeaks.org. That's www.asheepspeaks.org. There you will find... Uh, links to our YouTube, Facebook, and all of our contact information. I invite you to follow me here on my podcast and like, and please share if this is ministered to you in any way. Also, the book, Apples of Gold, a Devotional in Rhyme, is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and uh, I'm available to speak and sing at your events. I've been doing gospel storytelling, which is some singing along with some scriptures, if you're interested in that. Once again, you can find my contact information at www.asheepspeaks.org, and you can find me here every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 a.m. My show runs from 11 to 11.30, and I invite you to come back and be with me. Uh, every Tuesday and Thursday at 11 o'clock. Thanks so much for stopping by, and and please share this uh, podcast. Thank you. <laughs>